watching or listening to Reclaiming Rest Radio. I am your host, Justin Joseph, an unworthy and ordinary saint sinner who is encouraging you to rest in the worthy Christ and the extraordinary gospel. Today, I want to share about a concept in scripture, which I don't think is often covered. That concept is memory. We all have memories, some good, some bad, unfortunately, others somewhere in between. Well, in two of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew and Mark, Jesus is recorded as having said precious words about something that would be told in memory of a certain person. Before I identify what he said specifically, I'll cover what is recorded about some not-so-good memories elsewhere in Scripture. I'll read aloud six verses which span Exodus, Deuteronomy, Isaiah, and Ezekiel. So, two books in the Pentateuch and two major prophets. Uh, I'll read them all before I comment. Starting with Exodus chapter 17, verse 14. The Lord then said to Moses, Write this down on a scroll as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. Moving on to Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 19, which echoes that verse in Exodus. When the Lord your God gives you rest from all the enemies around you in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance, blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. Do not forget. And then same book, chapter 32, verse 26. Uh, it speaks of the unfaithful and disobedient wilderness generation. Quote, I would have said, I will cut them to pieces and blot out the memory of them from mankind. And now Isaiah chapter 26 verse 14. The dead do not live. Departed spirits do not rise up. Indeed, you have punished and destroyed them. You have wiped out all memory of them. Then a couple from Ezekiel, both uh, addressing the Ammonites, chapter 21, verse 32. You will be fuel for the fire. Your blood 
will be spilled within the land. You will not be remembered, for I, the Lord, have spoken. And finally, chapter 25, verse 10, I will give it along with Ammon to the people of the east as a possession, so that Ammon will not be remembered among the nations. Uh, For what it's worth, I think that the Exodus and Deuteronomy verses about the Amalekites are related to the fact that they were the first people who attacked the Israelites after they left Egypt. Uh, The Israelites had finished crossing the Red Sea at the end of Exodus 14. Uh, They sang to celebrate that in chapter 15. They received manna and water in chapter 16 and the first half of chapter 17, only to then encounter the hostile Amalekites in the second half of chapter 17. Uh, The Lord identified the brutality of the Amalekites later on in Deuteronomy chapter 25, when he exhorted Israel to remember what Amalek had done to them, especially the women and children who were weary. Israel and the Amalekites had a long-standing feud. The Amalekites hated the Israelites and tried many times to destroy them. So, suffice it to say, the Lord didn't want the memory of the Amalekites to be front and center in the minds of the Israelites. Uh, Thus, their memory would be blotted out. Uh, It it wouldn't be eliminated, you know, men in black style, but obscured. Uh, The same goes for the wilderness generation. Uh, the, The Lord didn't want the memory of them being front and center, in anyone's mind. Uh, The wilderness generation failed to enter God's rest due to unbelief, and it would be in no one's interest to emulate them. Uh, Paul recalls that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in his exhortation to Flee idolatry. And I think that those takeaways more or less also apply to the Isaiah and Ezekiel verses which I read. Okay? On to Matthew and Mark uh, verses 26.13 and 14.9 respectively. 
I've observed their wording to be virtually identical, so I'll just read Mark 14.9. These are the words of Christ. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Two questions. Who is she and her? And what did she do? Well, Jesus was at the house of Simon, who was a leper. A woman had joined them, and others were also present. Uh, She is identified in John chapter 12, verse 3, as Mary, who was the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Uh, She is the same Mary who had recently sat at Jesus' feet, listening to him teach. Uh, While she was doing that, uh, Martha, her sister, was busy with hospitality-related tasks. Uh, Martha wasn't pleased about handling those tasks by herself and exhorted Jesus to compel Mary to help her. Uh, Yet, Jesus gently rebuked Martha, uh, telling her that he wouldn't take his teaching away from Mary. Uh, With those details in mind, let's return to the house of Simon, where Mary now was. Uh, She had a jar containing very expensive perfume. Its value uh, was roughly equivalent to 300 denarii, uh, or a year's worth of wages for the average worker. Uh, She broke that jar and poured its contents on the head of Jesus. Okay, so the two questions I posed earlier have been answered. Uh, Let's now turn our attention to the two reactions. Uh, Some of the people present scolded Mary. Uh, Among them was Judas Iscariot. Uh, He expressed indignation that the perfume hadn't been sold and the proceeds given to the poor. Now that was hypocritical of him because if the opportunity presented itself, he probably would have stolen some of the profit. I say that because we're told that he regularly helped himself to the 
disciples money bag. Now that was the first reaction. Then there was the reaction of Christ. He wasn't remotely indignant at Mary. Uh, He, in fact, rebuked the people who scolded her. Uh, His words were, and I quote, Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a noble thing for me. You always have the poor with you, and you can do what is good for them whenever you want, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be also told in memory of her. So, Jesus absolutely commends generosity to the poor. Yet, he also approved of Mary's gesture. He called it a noble thing. Jesus understood that Mary did what she did to communicate her recognition of how valuable he is and how valuable his soon coming death would be. He acknowledged that specifically by saying, She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. I wouldn't be surprised if Mary learned about those things while sitting at his feet. So, it's no wonder that what Mary did is being told in memory of her to this day, as Jesus said it would. And it makes perfect sense. Jesus wants his people today to place the same value on him and the death he died for them. That doesn't mean we can't enjoy things, even expensive things like the perfume Mary had. It just means that the person and work of Jesus Christ ought to be the most valuable thing to us Christians. Uh, We can be generous to the poor and embrace the supreme value of the person and work of Christ. The two are not mutually exclusive. And I think that embracing the person and work of Jesus Christ as the most valuable thing we have inevitably affects our fellowship for the better. Uh, Consider Psalm 133. 
which might not immediately come to mind as related to our discussion. Uh, What Mary did actually echoes what is recorded there. And it says, How delightfully good when brothers live together in harmony. Uh, It is like fine oil on the head. Uh, Think of that oil like Mary's perfume. It is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. Just as the person and work of Jesus Christ are priceless blessings, so is the fellowship of believers about those two matters. That is exactly what the gospel is meant to do, in part. Save sinners and then unite them in fellowship. You can't put a price on either of those. And that's hardly the only good news which exists in Scripture as concerns the concept of memory. Uh, I read aloud six verses earlier which spoke to the blotting out of memories for unfortunate reasons. I'll now read five other verses which speak to an eternal blessing of a memory being blotted out. Uh, Back to the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. I am the one. I sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. On to Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34, which speaks of the new covenant. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. And on to the New Testament again. Uh, A few from Hebrews, beginning with chapter 8, verse 12. For I will forgive their wrongdoing, and I will never again remember their sins. Then finally, chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, the Lord says. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds 
and I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Are those verses good stuff or what? Now, brothers and sisters, as was the case for Mary, our Heavenly Father will never remember our sins. Uh, that is all thanks to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We were enabled to receive Christ by faith. Uh, we were enabled to receive the benefits of his work by faith. And both result in God never remembering our sins. And that reality makes all claims that salvation can be lost just astonishing to me. God will never remember the sins of his people. So how can they send themselves out of salvation? Food for thought. So, as a small poke to my brothers out there, nothing is being told in memory of a sinful man. Uh, at least not as specified so explicitly by Jesus himself. And that's okay. You know, men uh, have received more than enough attention in the church throughout the past 2,000 years. But even then, it's not as though what is being told in memory of Mary, makes her more significant than other believers. And no believer is more significant than another. Now, the gospel levels the playing field. Now, regardless, I happen to appreciate that something that special was recorded about a woman. I look forward to fellowshipping with Mary in glory. So, to wrap this up, or to begin, my heart aches over any bad memory which plagues a brother or sister of mine. In contrast, my heart rejoices over every good memory which blesses a brother or sister of mine. And we can all rejoice over the reality that when it comes to our sin, our Father has no memory. And when it comes to the redemption he has promised us, his memory is perfect. It will never fail. 
And on that note, let us consider uh, some specific people. The Lord remembered Noah. Uh, He remembered Abraham. He remembered Rachel. Those examples of the Lord remembering, by the way, is Scripture telling us that he was following through on a redemptive promise. Uh, Furthermore, God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God remembered Hannah. And many more examples could be cited. Finally, brothers and sisters, does the Lord remember us? Oh yes, let us believe that he remembers us. Grace and peace.